You're listening to Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel, Las Vegas. This is where real faith meets real pain. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play Music to get instant notifications when new episodes are available to stream. You can also visit our website, PraiseChapelLasVegas.com, to find out more info about PCLB and visit our event tab to see what's going on this month. Lastly, like our Facebook page and follow us on Instagram at PCLasVegas. Thank you again and enjoy the message. But when you spend more time with them outside the church, right there, you become more intimate. You just lock yourself away 
in a doorway, just wherever you can find some quiet time in the midst of everything right there. That's when we can hear God more clearly and become more receptive to what God wants to do with us. And when we talk to God, we don't need to be elaborate about, you know, just in our time with him. I think we look, sometimes look at just some of these preachers. We look at just even our own pastor and just people that are filled with the spirit and just go like, man, we got to talk like that when we pray to God. We have to break out the thesaurus and break out the dictionary and start using all this verbiage right here. But all God wants is an honest conversation. God just wants you to just talk to him. He wants you to spend some time with him. God, you know what? I'm going through some stuff right now. I need to spend some time with you. Just help me through the word that I'm about to read right now. Just help me in my day-to-day life right here. Just make me more like you. And so that's all God wants is just an honest conversation. Not, he's not looking for you to impress him. He just wants you to be real with him. And so also in Revelation 3.20, it says, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. You see, our passions come from when we spend time with something or spend time with someone. You know, if you start playing football in high school right there, you become passionate about playing football because you're there on the field doing some practice right there. You're running drills. You're hitting the gym and doing some workouts right there. And so the more time you spend with God, the more passionate you're going to become about him. And so that's the only way we're going to become more passionate about them is we spend time with our Father right there. And so another thing that happens, though, when we become passionate believers is that we become intercessors for others. You see, it's one thing when we're just open with Christ about ourselves, because that's easy. You can talk about yourself all day and all night. It feels good to talk about yourself. But you see, there's something different that happens when you intercede for others right there. We are called to be intercessors for our brothers and sisters. We go on the throne on behalf of our brothers and sisters. You see, if only we would go to God as passionate for others as we do ourselves, man, God would do some crazy things right there. Because how many know you guys go to the throne room right there? You go start praying, and you just are passionate. You're pressing in for what you want. But when you come to praying for somebody else, you just give them the 10-second the the prayer. Oh, God, help him. You know, he's uh, going through some stuff. But amen. But God, just help me go through all this. I'm going through all this craziness right there. We sometimes look at other people, and we don't give that same passion for praying for other people. We need to have that same intensity and that same belief that God's going to move in their needs just as he does in our needs. And another verse right here in Ephesians 6, 18, it says, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. It also says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, that I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. You see, we need to be selfless in our prayer life right there. It's not just about me. It's about us as a family. It's about us as a church right there. It's about the city of Las Vegas, whatever city you're placed in right there. There's such a bigger picture than just your own problems. Our things are just like a small fleck compared to what's going on in the whole world. God still loves us the same and cares about our problems, but there's just so much more going on, and we need to be selfless people in prayer. We don't need to be selfish. You see, another thing that happens when we become passionate as believers, we become bold with what we believe. We need to have some bold people in this church right there. You see, when we become passionate about seeking God in prayer and in the word, we become more established as believers because we stand firmly with what we believe. You see, development of passion will not only show who you are as a believer, but it's going to show others when you talk to them. Others are going to see that when you're testifying to them, when you're sharing what God's love has done in your life right there. They're going to see that because you're passionate about who you are as a believer. You've been spending time with the Lord. You've been seeking him. You've been praying. You've been reading the word right there. And so they're going to see that reflected in you. Um, in Ephesians chapter uh, 3, verses 12, and then verses 14 through 19, we'll go ahead and uh, read that together right here. Um, this is a whole little passage right here. 
So in verse 12, it says, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources that he will empower you with inner strength with his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. One of the things that we need to pray for, at least if we're praying for ourselves, we need to continuously pray for a hunger and thirst for Christ. You see, it's in these moments that we spend reading this verse, we have to come expecting that God's going to speak to us in the word right there. Whenever you open up that Bible app, whenever you open up that leather-bound Bible, you got to come saying, God, I know you're going to reveal something to me. Just let me have the knowledge to see it. Let me not be ignorant about it. Let me not just get frustrated on it. But God, give me patience with this. Even if I don't see it on the first glance right there, just show me what you want me to hear through your word right here. And see, when we worship the Father, whether it's in private or we gather for service, we're not just singing these lyrics right here on the screen where it looks all nice and looks cool. We're all here giving, singing praises to our Father. We're just giving him worship. We're thanking him for what he's done in our lives right there. And so we see that's going to come. We're going to become more passionate when we start worshiping God with realistic expectations. We're just all in all, we're becoming more and more closer to him through worship and prayer. We're giving him glory for who he is to us and what he does for us. That worship time is what builds our passion towards Christ right there. You see, we need to be that passionate people about Christ. You see, passion helps us stay the course with Christ right there. Passion gives us a fresh anointing and fire within our souls. Like I said, when you become passionate about the Lord and just what, you know, you start getting that fire going with you, God does some great things with passionate people. If you look at our fellowship, Praise Chapel, Praise Chapel is, fellow, is founded by passionate people. It's founded by passionate men and women, people that just loved God. They were obedient to God. God did some great things with this fellowship. And look where we are now. There's all these churches in the U.S., all going out in mission fields and beyond. It's all because of passionate people. This church is because of passionate people. Our pastors are passionate people. You can't say that moving from California to Las Vegas, that they're not a passionate people right there. You see, we also have passionate servanthood leaders, or people that are just, you know, willing to spend some time with these brothers and sisters, you know, just willing to commit themselves to ministry right there. There's some passionate people in this place, but we need more passionate people. Amen, amen. Let's see here. So, you see, because of the passion of our pastors, it's the reason this church is open. And he continues to pour a fresh fire upon them because, you know, of their servanthood and obedience to them. But you kind of wonder, though, why isn't there more passionate people in the church? Why don't we have more things going on right there? Um, I'm going to use a quote from Pastor uh, Gabriel Menchaca from uh, Estonia in Europe. You see, the reason that there's a lack of passionate people in the church is because there's a lack of passionate people in the church. You see, sometimes we look in the church, some of you guys are going to get that in the right home, like my dad says. But you see, it's so easy to look at the church sometimes and just be like, you know what? Man, I wish we had something better going on in church. Man, I, I go to the Rise Up Cafe, you know, Sister Cookie, you're giving me black coffee. I really wish it was a cappuccino, man. Man, I really wish we had valet service. I wish Pastor would go a little bit longer in that message. Why doesn't he preach what I want to hear about? You see, it's so easy to just, like, say all these things about the church, or we also pass the buck for someone else to do with ministry, too. Like, for instance, we have this call for teachers right there. Some of us could be sitting in these seats right now and be saying, you know what? 
Why doesn't someone else teach? I don't want to teach. I don't want to spend time with the kids. I'm sure someone else is going to get it. If you remember from what Pastor Adam said at the Love Conference, we need to take an approach, here I am, send someone else. Send someone else to do it. We just, we just get so looking, we, we're so easy to point out what's wrong with the church right there. We're so easy to like say what another church is doing. How come we don't have that going on? How come we don't have professional law? How come we don't have that size of church right there? The reason why those churches have that many individuals, they have those ministries, is because there's passionate individuals in those churches right there. You see, not only do we need to be passionate about what we're doing right here, we need to be consistent, not complacent. We need to be consistent in what we're doing. Because you see, if we're complacent, complacency doesn't knock this, this wall down. Complacency will keep that wall going right there. Complacency is going to keep this church the size that it is. You know, we can just be like, you know what? I don't want to have more people in the church. I don't want to give up my seat. I don't want to be rubbing up elbows to elbows right there. Complacency is a lie from the enemy, man. Passion is going to keep this church growing. Passion is going to keep us going out into the streets and talking to people and just ministering to people. We need to be passionate people in this church. We can't just pass the buck off to someone else right there. We're all called to be passionate about what we believe here in this church. You see, we need to understand the dangers of complacency, that the enemies are trying to go into our hearts and trying to make us just feel like everything's all right, that we're good. You see, if you, what will happen when you're complacent is that neglecting your spirit is going to create a shallow soul within you. When you stop like spending as much time as you ought to with God, when you're not saturating yourself in prayer and the word, we're going to lack God's fullness. And how's God going to operate in us when we're not feeding our spirit right there? That's one of the signs right there when we're starting to become complacent, is that we're neglecting the spirit. We need to constantly be, consistently be in sync with Christ and have his word in our hearts. Another thing that's going to make us complacent is focusing on ourselves. You see, that's going to develop a shrinking soul within us. You see, when we're in sync with Christ, God makes us aware not just going on with in our own body, but with other brothers and sisters in the church right there. You see, God has called us to be more than just concerned about our own, own souls. We have to be concerned and make ourselves available to brothers and sisters in the church. Um, in Philippians 2, chapter, or chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, it says, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You see, if we're going to stay compassionate, uh, passionate as a people right here, we have to be in this thing together. So we have to be in constant fellowship with each other. We need to be accountable to each other. We need to continue to encourage each other. We need to stir up that passion within ourselves. One of the other things that's going to make us complainants is depending on your own strength. That's going to develop a self-sufficient soul. You see, Proverbs 3, chapter 3, verses 5 through 8 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed by your own wisdom. Instead, Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. See, God is and always will be the source of our strength. When we try to say that we're in control and we try to rely on our own understanding to get through life, the flame inside of us starts to grow dim. So we can't fool ourselves in saying that we've got it under control. We can't go into that part where it's like, you know what? I'm here because I brought myself here. We have to consistently be reminded that God is always the source of our strength. We have to consistently draw closer to Christ and maintain that passion that we need to have as believers. You see, complacency robs us of what God wants to do in our lives and in our church. 
A complacent church will not grow spiritually or multiply. Complacency can make us neglect our walk with God. It can make us care only about ourselves. And we put the brakes on what God wants to do in the church. However, a consistent church, a passionate church, will grow spiritually and will grow in numbers right there. Now is not the time to grow complacent. Now is the time to grow passionate about what we're doing here. We may look at passion and feel like it's something that you feel once in a while right there, or it's like that after-conference feeling right there. But passion is called to be a lifestyle. We're called to live a passionate lifestyle with Jesus. You see, here's the thing when you stay the course with Christ. When you press him through prayer, through worship, and through the word, Christ continues to engulf you with fresh fire. You see, you kind of understand how flames operate right there. They have different colors based on the temperature they have. It could be as low as a dark red right there for a lower temperature or as high as a white hot flame. You see, when we're continuing to fan the flame and the Holy Spirit in our lives, Christ brings different intensities of that flame wherever we need it the most. Maybe we need to be a little more passionate in other times than others. But all in all, God continues to give us that fresh flame of it. We always have that consistent flame of it. We are never burnt out. We always have to have that within our hearts. We have to have that constant presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So what do we do, though, when we do have that fire in our lives? What can we do with this? Well, of course, we ignite other people. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. And then in Matthew 28, 19, it says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. You see, these are easy verses, you know, as believers. Those are our go-to verses. You should know these verses right there. But even as popular as we are, we can still not follow them. We can just still look at someone else can go evangelize for them. You know, I don't want to go on a Thursday night. I don't want to go out at night. It's too dark. It's cold. People are mean. I don't want to talk to them. We just pass it off right there. You're saying everyone else is being passionate but you. But you see, we got to be a part of this right there. We have to ignite other people. We need people. You need a brother. You need a sister talking to you, being like, you know what? We need to have some fellowship time. We need to read the word together. We need to stay passionate about what we're doing. You need to connect in this church. We can't be in a church where we don't like people. That's not how God operates. We're all supposed to be in unity in this church right there. We need to be accountable to other people in this church. You see, being connected in this church with other brothers and sisters stirs up that passion within us right there, and it encourages us. So fellowship within the church is important. That's going to help keep our passion. And another thing, like I mentioned earlier with the teacher's ministry, for an example, is we need to get involved with the church. You see, passionate people make the best volunteers for the ministry right there. You see, we don't need you just to show up and take a seat right there. I can put some bags of sand right there, and they'll do just fine. But we need you more than just sit on the sidelines right there. We need you guys to get involved. If you're, we need to be passionate and we need to be involved in this church because this church is not going to grow if we have complacent people. This church is going to grow with compassionate, or passionate people and consistent people. And so maybe we need to check ourselves as believers right there. Maybe there's some things we're not consistent in. Maybe there's some times where, you know, we're not having consistent prayer time. Sometimes we're just giving a five-minute prayer session. You know, we're just, we, put, we put God on the side just in the midst of what's going on in our lives right there. And so maybe we need, just need to look in our lives. What do I need more consistency? What do I need more passionate about? What do I need to change in my life? So with that being said, I want to go ahead and let my other brother loose. And so all right, brother Josh, tear it up. Can I get another mic, man? This one's hot. Oh, man. Amen. God is good. Man, I just want to thank God first just for this opportunity, man. This is, this is a blessing in itself just to be able just to speak God's word to you guys. Um, 
I mean, this is something that, that God has definitely been, been dealing with me about. Um, and and I, I agree 100% with what Brandon was saying. Um, so when uh, September 29th, um, I had surgery, right? So I, I made a, a decision to myself that I'm not, I'm not going to take the pain medication they gave me because I'm not going to put myself back in that, into that ties with, with the world, with the enemy, the, the things that he's going to do in my life. And, and I just didn't want to go there. So, you know, um, that first night... It wasn't, wasn't easy. Let me tell you, it wasn't easy. It was a minor surgery, but, I mean, the pain was real. Uh, so I was up about 3 a.m., hurting. I had this big old brace on my hand, and, and I couldn't sleep. So I, I start praying. I'm praying. I'm about 20 minutes into my prayer, and, and God dropped a, a, a saying into, into me. And, and when, when this happened, I was like, what does that even mean? I, ca I caught myself, stop praying. And I'm thinking about this, and I'm just like, what is it? What is this? What does this mean? What, what's going to happen? Because what it, what, what, what it was, it says, are you ready for the rain? Okay, that's what God dropped into me. And I was like, the rain? I'm like, what rain? What's going to happen? That, that can mean a good thing. People like the rain. People hate the rain. And it, it just had my mind going. I'm up next thing I know, it's like five in the morning. I can't sleep. And I'm like, man. So I start reading. And, and um, so what, what I took from this is uh, I'm going to take it to Matthew 13. Um, the, the parable of the sower. Um, so one thing about parables is, is that it, it's a way that Jesus used to speak to people that, that didn't get it. You know, people that couldn't understand the things that, that he was speaking plainly to them. So it was, it was an illustration or a comparison of things that, that he was trying to explain. So as it says um, with the, in the parable of the sower, uh, the sower who went to sow... He sowed roadside, so as he sowed, some seeds fell roadside, and the birds came and ate them up. There was no soil to produce good crops. So it's, imagine trying to plant a seed, a plant, and, and you throw it right here expecting a, a beautiful rose plant to grow. You're not going to get anything because there's no soil to grow, right? So, so the next one, he planted on, uh, a sowed onto rocky ground. It says, these seeds had not much soil, and at once they sprang up because there was no depth in soil. So the definition of depth is the distance from the top or surface of something to its bottom, okay? So now let me ask you guys a question, and this question, I want you to hold on to it until I explain what the question is going to mean. How deep is your soil? Okay, hold on to that. I want you guys to, to take that question, write it down if you want to. So depth, to me, God's surface is infinite. There's no depth to God, but to us, we put the depth of God in our lives because we put a surface, a bottom or a top to the way God is in our lives. We put the depth of God that we can express to people because God drops so much into us. We can sit here in one sermon and go with the lifetime. I mean, God, God just does so much for us in one little time. And, and, but yet to us, we put the depth on that. And so we're limiting the God in our lives. Okay, so it says again right here with the, with the rocky ground, when the, when the sun rose up, they were scorched because they had no solid foundation of roots to grow, so they dried up and withered away. So the next one was the thorns. So some of the seeds fell among thorns, and when the thorns grew up, they choked them out. So I don't know if you guys know, but thorn bushes, they're thick and they're dense. And imagine trying to grow a plant through something that's that thick and dense. You're not getting anything. It's going to dead. It's going to get choked out. But then it goes to say... Some, some seeds were sown onto good soil. The good soil yielded grain, 
some is 30, 60, or 100 times. He who has ears to hear, let him be listening. Let him consider and perceive and comprehend by hearing. Now consider. Consider means to think carefully about something. Sometimes when we make life decisions, you've got to think carefully about it. You've got to consider the outcome of it. You've got to consider the, the, what's going to happen when I make this decision. What's going to happen if, if I don't think or pray about it? What's going to happen? So you think about it. So perceive. When we perceive something, you come to realize or understand. And, and sometimes that can be hard. Sometimes we don't realize the things that God is, is sowing into our lives. We don't understand at that moment that God is sowing greatness into our lives. God is sowing betterness into our lives. But sometimes that the depth that we put on God in our lives is blocking us from getting that full amount of what God has for us, right? So, so comprehend is to grasp mentally and to understand. So once you grasp something and you understand it, it makes sense to you. You get it, right? So and then at this point, then the disciples came to Jesus and said, why do you speak to them in parables? So my Bible is uh, it's an amplified version. It's a little different than most, but uh, it says right here, it says, and he replied to them, to you it has been given to know the secrets and mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has spiritual knowledge, to him will more be given, and he will be furnished richly so that he will have abundance. But from him who has not, even what he has will be taken away. I mean, that speaks to me because God has done a lot in my life, and I don't, wanna, I don't want none of that to be taken away. Because if that's taken away, oh, man, who knows where I'll be. Oh, man. Okay, so roadside. Let me break this down to you now. Now, this is where I want you guys, this is where the question that I asked you is going to come into play. Once I break down and, and give you the, the meaning of, of what this parable is going to talk about, then that question will come back. And I'll ask you guys again that question. And none of you have to answer because that question is to you. And I want you guys to answer yourselves that question. Okay, so the roadside, in, in verse 19, it says, While anyone is hearing the word of the kingdom and does not grasp and comprehend it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown into his heart. This is what was sown along the roadside. That happens a lot, and, and, and we see it all too often, that somebody gets something, they get a word deposited in them, but because they don't grasp it and hold on to it, the enemy comes and takes it away real quick, and, and they don't even realize. Sometimes we don't even realize that, that we're letting the enemy come and take, right as soon as we walk out of this building, the enemy is taking away what God has deposited into us. Okay, so the rocky soil, verse 20 and 21 it says, as for what was sown on thin, rocky soil, this is he who hears the word and at once welcomes and accepts it with joy, yet it has no real root in him but is temporary, inconsistent, lasts but a little while, and when affliction or trouble or persecution comes, on account of the word, at once he is a cause to stumble, he is repelled and begins to distrust and desert him who he ought to trust and obey, and he falls away. That, that right there alone, I mean, I don't even need to say anything. That right there is, it's itself. So th thorns, verse 22, it says, as for what was sown among thorns, this is he who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the pleasures and delight and glamour and deceitfulness of riches choke and suffocate the word and it yields no fruit. That right there, when, when I read that, I had to reread it, reread it, reread it again because sometimes we let these things out here, oh man, let me go oh, I, I, I can sacrifice a church service and, and, and I'll get a raise, I'll get a 50 cent raise at work. And what are we doing? We're, we're, sacri we're taking away from ourselves what God's going to deposit into us just to get 
a little bit more money. So what are we saying? We're telling God, money's more important to me right now because I need that 50 cent raise. We're telling God, you know what, God, I can't do you right now. I got to do me. We're putting ourselves first. We're not allowing God to move into our lives knowing that, that God will take care of the wants and needs that we have. Okay, so good soil. Verse 23, as for what was sown on good soil, this is he who hears the word and grasps and comprehends it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundred times and as much as was sown in another 60 times as much and in another 30. I don't know about you, but I'm trying to yield 100 times. I'm trying to yield 100 times. 30 times is good, but I'm trying to get up to that 100 times. I'm trying to let God deposit into me and take what he has for me, and, and, and I want to sow into to as many people as I can. I want to sow into God's kingdom as much as I can because let me tell you, where God took me from, he's taken some of your brothers from the same place. I, I was heading for death. I, I, was, I was in that jail, so when God came to me and told me, what I needed to hear, and here I am now, and I thank God, I thank God every day that I'm not who I used to be, because I see people from my past that were who I used to be, I mean, just, what, what was it, like three days ago, one of my good buddies, he's arrested for murder, facing murder right now, and, and this was somebody that, that I tried so hard, I tried, I tried, I tried, hey man, hey man, come to church, man, come to church, and he was like, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, and then it's like, man, in the verse, it, it was, he, he felt it a little bit, he felt the prayer a little bit, but the enemy came and snatched it right up. And, and not only did he snatch it up, but he took his life, because now he's facing life. And, and, and I'm just like, man, God, I thank you for what you're doing in my life. Okay, so now let's break this down real quick. So the sower, so a sower is an old English term meaning someone who plants. The sower is the church who plants seeds into people's lives. The sower is pastor who's planting into you guys' lives, into my life. This is for me, too, because this means a lot to me. Because pastor has sown so much into my life that I, I can't go back. I, I can't go back to the world that I was living in. Because God is using the people around us, the brothers, the sisters, the, the, our pastors, other pastors, guest speakers that are coming. God is using these people around us to speak life into us, to speak just God's love into us, and, and, and I, can't, I can't thank God enough for that. The seed, the seed is what's planted. Now, many would say that the seed can be anything you plant, but Jesus was specific in his definition of what the seed was. The seed is the word of God taken to someone else. The word of God itself is truth. It's life. It, it's, it, it's God. It's what we need. This is all we need right here to live a life, and, and I thank God that this, you know, this Bible right here, I came to this church not having a Bible, and pastor trusted in me so much, he gave me a Bible. He knew, he, God showed him, whatever God has shown him, that I have something on my life that, that he's invested into it. And, and this Bible has, oh my God, I can't believe, this Bible has done so much for me. I mean, I, I've taken it to work with me. I've read it on my lunch breaks. People have, have said things to me about it. But I, I don't care about that because this Bible is all I need. I don't need my coworkers. I don't need what they have to say to me. All I need is what's in this Bible. And, and this Bible right here is what I, I live off of. It goes everywhere with me. If, I, if I'm out of my car, it comes with me into the house. If I'm out of the house, it comes with me if I go to the car. If I'm at work, I have my Bible, my app, my headphones on, and I'm listening. You know, um, so the soil. The soil is the hearts of people. The soil is the hearts of people who the word of God is given to. 
It's not a ministry or a pet project. But now listen to this. I'll, I'll leave this for Brother Garrett to preach in the offering about sowing into a ministry, okay? But, but what Jesus is saying is that it is the hearts of the people that we speak the word of God to, okay? So when you're speaking life to somebody, you're speaking it to their heart. You're not speaking it to them. They're receiving it into their heart. It goes in, and they take it into their heart, and they hold on to it. You'd be surprised with how much one thing you've told somebody has stuck with them for years and years and years because it's the word of God, and that's the truth. <laughs> we'll, pray. we'll pray about that, brother. Okay, so to understand the parable of the sower, you need to understand the farming techniques of the days of Jesus. In our civilization today, I don't know about you, but I've, I've grown some things, okay? And, and sometimes you've got to make sure the soil is right. You take the fertilization, you get these things, these additives, and you add it to the soil because you want that soil to be perfect, okay? So in the days of Jesus, it says they didn't test the soil. They planted, which is why you got roadside, you got rocky soil, you got thorns, and then you got good soil, okay? So it says in the times of Jesus and even in the Middle East today, they spread the seed before the soil is ready. That is why Jesus gives us four types that the seed falls on. Jesus does not judge the soil to decide if it is ready for planting. He says that the sower sows the seed regardless of the soil condition. The seed that we plant is the message of God to individual people. To the broken, it is the promise of restoration. Amen? I heard that because I was broken. Sometimes I still feel broken. But you know what? With Jesus, he restores me. And the, to the captive, it is the message of freedom. To the sick, it is the message of wholeness. To the guilty, it is the message of forgiveness. So when we plant seeds, we are planting God's word into the hearts of his people. It is the concept of us being the messengers giving God's word directly from the king to the one that, to the, one that the king loves. And, and the king loves each and every one of us. And he's got a separate plan for each and every one of us. And I mean, this plan is, is not something little. This plan is huge. This plan is full of abundance in Jesus. I'm just, I'm just saying, this is what Jesus spoke to me. Okay, so all right, hold on, got lost a little bit. Okay, so so when you're sowing into somebody's life, God will use you in new ways to serve others, ways you have never experienced before. Sometimes we can get a little weary. We're like, I've never done that, I don't want to do that. But you know what? God will call you out of your comfort zone. Your complacency, God will pull you out of that, and God will use you to step into that zone you've never been to. God will use you to, do, to go to places you've never been, okay? So it says right here, it says, out of tiredness through the power of God, you will find a way to give out of your emptiness in a new and fresh way. Think about it. You have probably been there wanting to reach out and serve or help another, but feeling tapped out. We've all felt tapped out, burnt from work. I mean, some days I have a long day at work, man. And they don't give me no leniency at work. I'll tell you that. Not even with my surgery. They put me right back to where I'm at. Right? So I'll be getting burnt out. And sometimes we can walk past that person that needs to hear God's love in your life. We could walk past that person that's just hurting worse than you are. And you don't even know it because you're so focused on yourself. You're so focused on how you're feeling that you're not using your, yourself for what God has called you to, to be used for. Okay? So it says right here, we all go through seasons when pouring out into others is a bit harder than usual, or we hit a season that requires a bit more focus in one area. Come on now, this is going to speak to me here. It says, such as a new baby, busy at work, or being sick.
How many times have we missed a service because we have one of these things? Being sick, I myself am guilty. I've missed services because I've been sick or because I, I wanted to pick up an extra shift on a Saturday to get overtime because I needed extra money or I'm about to have a baby and, and God willing, I'm not going to miss a service. Amen. Please pray for that. I'm not, I don't know if she's going to be in the hospital a few days, but I'm praying for that. Okay. But um, so Galatians 6.2 to share the burdens of others is to obey the laws of Christ. It's an important matter and a commandment we're given and as such something to give some serious thought to. In fact, loving our neighbor and looking into the interests of others is called out in the Bible. It's something we do as a Christian. Another one, I'm going to close with this and I'm going to bring pastor up. Let the Holy Spirit knock y'all out. So Romans 15.2 says, let each one of us make it a practice to please make happy his neighbor for his good and for his true welfare to edify him, to strengthen him and build him up spiritually. Amen? All you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Why don't we all stand up? Amen. Praise the Lord. Oh, let's give the Lord some praise for these two guys. Amen. They came and delivered the word. Amen.